so great last night to be here surrounded by men, wasn't it? Do we believe that today that he is able? Do we believe that he is able? Do we believe that in his name we will overcome? Because I don't know if you've experienced anything in your life that causes you, really causes you to have to be on your knees. But we live in a world where we are surrounded by people that daily are lost and dying and and searching for some kind of truth. Just give me something that is meaningful. Give me something that's true. And I have to apologize to you on behalf of one of the guys that I was in ministry for 22 years. And I have to apologize that we have not set you up well in the church to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ radically into our culture. But I praise God that you're at a school that wants to set you up well. That you're surrounded by staff and faculty that that not only want to give you an education and teach you skill, but want to help you develop leadership that's necessary for what our world throws at us. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but our world, they're going through some things. And they're watching church They're watching. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture. It's a fun passage. It's a passage that is really bizarre, to be honest with you, but it's it's a passage that um, I want to go with us today and just say, what happens if my destiny is defeated? Because I watch this generation, and I am blessed more than I deserve to travel all over this globe of ours and encounter and engage in leadership conversations with, with all kinds of demographics, but especially your age. And there's always the search for destiny. What is destiny? Some might call it purpose. Other might call it calling or anointing in our circles. I want to offer you this. Destiny, a desired outcome for the life of one who has surrendered to a higher significance than themselves. And you can only find that in Christ. It goes beyond what you do. It describes that which your soul longs for. Is it any wonder why we have such an identity crisis? Yes, I would even say in the church. I shared this in some of the classes yesterday. Two most important days of your life. The day you're born and the day you discover why. That's destiny. And praise God you found a campus like Dork College that is not just here to give you a 4.0 and send you on your merry way, but to help you discover what is destiny, what is God truly calling you, what is your true soul crying out to accomplish for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we turn to Scripture this morning. And we find a really interesting passage of scripture in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. We know that as context is king, pun intended, 
We know that this guy Solomon has been anointed just recently as the king. We discovered just a little bit ago in the historical narrative of scripture that King David was in his last days and remember Bathsheba, she came in with Adonijah and tried to manipulate the anointing of God. (laughs) That never works well, by the way. And so all of a sudden we find Saul and Saul, I mean, we find Solomon and Solomon, he has a dream. He has a dream, right? There's been some really famous dreams, right, in our life. MLK, you know, I have a dream, right, all that stuff. And he asks something so significant of God. He has the ear of God, and God says, ask what you want. Notice this in Scripture. It wasn't conditional. We don't even know. Solomon didn't know at the time if God would actually answer it. He just said, ask. It wasn't conditional. There weren't attachments to it. He just said, ask of me. And so Solomon, knowing where he had been, seeing the consequences of his father, asks for wisdom. He asks for wisdom. Now, he wasn't, you know, immune to doing the political things of the day because we know he married the daughter of Pharaoh of Egypt, right? Like, dude, don't you remember the slavery thing, right? (laughs) And so he does this political move, but then enter God. And I don't know if you've ever been on your knees to the point where you need enter God. But our culture is at that place, church. Friends, our culture is at the place, I work with them daily, where they need God to show up on the scene. Have you ever been there? I've been there a few times in my life. I was there when I watched my house on fire with my 19-month-old son in it, in a crib. I needed God. And so I literally had to run through the flames to get my little boy. And I wrapped him in a blanket and I ran out of the house. I was just charred. My lungs were completely impacted and I hit the door. And as soon as we got out of the house, it exploded. But God. I was there when I got hit by that car when my wonderful friends decided to make me have seizures in the middle of seminary class, right? Those are the kind of friends you really want. (laughs) But then last October, I was there when the doctors looked at us and said, remember that other tumor we found? It's growing and it's cancer. And I was there on my knees when I went into surgery Mere weeks ago at the University of Minnesota Hospital where they cut a three-inch hole in my head and took part of my brain out. The doctors looked at me and said, you should not do anything for six months. But God. But God. Why? Because I've discovered in my life the why. I've discovered in my life the destiny. I've discovered that there's this thing that I must do. It's in my soul of souls. Like, I absolutely must do this. And I remember looking at my team, and they were erasing my schedule, and they were farming it off to other people. And I looked at the schedule, and I saw this date, and I saw Door College. And Aaron is God is my witness. I said, that's mine. But what if, Billy? Yeah, what if? 
What if you face plant on stage? It'll turn into a whole different service. <laughs> I mean, not only do we have nursing people in the house, but we got some people that better not pray. <laughs> Let's do this thing. What a better way to go. Let's be honest. Billy went doing what he loved in the pulpit. And I told him, I said, no. Like, I've got to do it because it's in my soul. It's my destiny. But what do we do when people or situations, or should I even dare say ourselves, make choices or situations that destroy that destiny? So I read to you this passage about two prostitutes who came before the king now two prostitutes in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, the woman also had a baby. We were there alone, and no one else was in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by mine. The next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. Not recommended, by the way. The king said, this one says this, this one says that. Then the king said, bring me the sword. So they brought a sword for the king, and they gave the order, cut the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother and when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Church, he is able. In his name we will overcome. Look at what happens in this passage, if you will. First, prostitutes. Where are they from? It's significant. We know throughout antiquity and we know through authors of the day that these are most likely Jebusites because Jebusites, remember it was promised in the promised land, it was promised to Aaron. Remember, the Jebusites were known for what? Sexual immorality. So much so that there was even intermarrying with the servants in the temple and so much so that we know disease was so rampant amongst these, this group of people that they were infertile. So literally, if you read through the historical narrative of that time period, an entire generation was missing because of the sexual infertility of that group of people. How, church? How, young people, are two prostitutes from Jebus, disease, infertile, pregnant at the same place at the same time? But God, And so then they stand before the king and they argue. <laughs> Again, probably not the best thing in the world to do. But God. So the baby, what would it look like if we read this verse and we saw this 
baby, the seed as destiny. Because let me tell you something, church. I was there when all three of my children were born. And I gotta be honest with you, ladies. If it were men, humanity would cease to exist. (laughs) That's rough. I was there and I saw the struggles my wife went through. These two women, they went through it alone. They went through it in the most horrific. They didn't have the medicines that we have today. And so here's this woman with this seed. Now remember, she's not supposed to have this baby. She's a prostitute. Who knows who the daddy is? No one knows. But it's hers. And it's the one thing that might actually give her purpose and valid, just valued in life in that culture. And all of a sudden, she wakes up in the morning And she realizes, this isn't my seed. It's not my baby. It's not my destiny. Maybe you've been there. And and I would caution you, young people. I would caution you that so many times in our lives, we look at the destiny in others. I watch John up on stage, and I watch them, and, and I can get jealous, and I'm like, Man, I, I can't even play a radio, let alone a guitar like that. <laughs> For years, both of my brothers are worship pastors. That gene jumped way over Billy. I can't even make a joyful noise if I tried, right? And what happens is, is I can get jealous of that, and I can be like, how? How is it that these guys are so musically talented and I get jack, God? Because that's not your destiny, Billy. So how dare you strive after that which isn't yours? But what do we do? We go and we try to grab someone else's destiny, their seed, their baby, their soul, and we say no, or we try to tear them down. Why? Because we know misery loves company. You don't have to be a prostitute from the land of Jebus to realize that. And so all of a sudden we go and we try to destroy other people's destiny because I don't have what I want. How dare John do that, right? In our culture, what we've come to realize is that we're all created equal, but with different destiny. So how dare I be mad at John for him walking in his when God's called me to walk in mine? The problem is, church, we don't take care of our destiny. The other woman, her destiny, her seed, this little baby died because she didn't take care of him. And I would say we've had an entire generation of leaders in the body of Christ who haven't taken care of what God has given us, the future. That's you. You're the greatest gift we can give to this world. You are the greatest gift that we can offer in leadership to this world. And we have to stop and say, how are we taking care of our destiny? How are we taking care of what God has given us? And know this, is there, have you ever been like amazed by scripture? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not really all that smart. Like, I hang around guys like Aaron and John just to be in presence of greatness, right? There are parts of scripture that confuse me. Why is it? 
that Eve wasn't totally tripped out that a snake was talking to her. It's bizarre. Why is it that Jesus said, if you seek my face and humble yourself, you know, you, I'll redeem you, all that stuff, and then later on, no one can see the face. Doesn't make sense. Why is it that the Spirit of God took Jesus to the wilderness and the devil took him to the temple? Doesn't make sense. How is it that a prostitute who just said, while I, your servant, was asleep, this happened? How do you know? You just told the king who's the wisest man alive you were asleep. If one of my staff members, all 300 of them, walked into my office and were like, hey, someone out on the floor just threw a hammer at someone and hit someone else. Well, where were you? Oh, I wasn't there. Well, how do you know? <laughs> well, I just thought that it happened. Well, how does she know she's talking to the king? Because look at this one little scripture, this one little word. When I looked at him closely in the morning light. You know what the morning light is? It's the first light that exposes the darkness. Ooh, that'll preach if you'll let it. <laughs> and this first light that exposes the darkness is is translated, right, we know as basically discernment. And she had this deeply moved compassion because the seed that she was taking care of, her destiny, the very thing that would have given her culture and life was now gone. And so then she seeks it out, and when she finds, she knows this isn't mine, right? This isn't mine. And so then she looks at the other, and it's like, this is mine. This is my son, right? And so what we must do, young people, we must be deeply moved to the place where we can have such compassion for what God has called us to that it doesn't matter the situation. Brain cancer, he is able I looked at that doctor that day, December the 6th, when they were wheeling me into the OR with 17 medical professionals. And I said, just so you guys know, I'm ready to see Jesus. I just don't want to see him today. <laughs> and Dr. Matthew Hunt, one of the world's leading neurosurgeons, looked at me and he said, good, because I'm not in the business of making that arrangement. <laughs> Why? Because they needed to know God is able. They needed to know that we were on bended knee praying and that we believe in a physician that's greater than him. Young people, it doesn't matter what you're going through, trust me. Been there, done that, right? Doesn't matter what level of brokenness. We're all just at different stages of brokenness. Let's be honest. Can we Brene Brown this thing? Can we power vulnerability this thing, right? Let's just be open and honest in the body of Christ that we all are at different places of brokenness. And at some point, we have to associate ourselves with the prostitute from the land of Jebus. I don't deserve to have this seed. I don't deserve to have this destiny. But God, you came, you conquered, you overcame. And so therefore, by the blood of the lamb, I am able. I am able. And church, he's made us able. And so I just want to give you a couple things, and then we'll close. Number one, your destiny is costly, church. It's going to cost you something. 
and it might cost you more than you want. And just because I like you a lot, and I know you're not used to taking notes in class, I wrote all these down for you, and I have a lot of copies of them. Your destiny is costly. Church, remember David when he's like, no, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. Right? Let's, let's, let's go to the Lord and say, no matter the cost, none of it compares to that of your son. The second thing, only God can give you joy and purpose in your destiny. Isn't it amazing that as we seek out our soul desire, destiny, we get, tripped by, we get tripped up. I shared this with the men last night. We get tripped up by what? Situational satisfaction. But it feels good. That's awesome, but it can also destroy your destiny. Only God can give you joy and purpose in your destiny. Your destiny, number three, is not for your viewing pleasure alone. God has given you this destiny. He's given it. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer. It doesn't matter if you're a mechanic. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse. It doesn't matter. Fill in the blank. He's given you a destiny that's greater than you can imagine for his kingdom, not ours. Your destiny is an absolute choice. You will make choices daily that will decide whether or not you walk in the destiny that God has for you. Number five, make the most of every opportunity. I'm a networker. I just am. That's just who I am, right? I connect with a lot of people, and people at times give me a hard time, and there are times in my life I have struggled. I'm a recovering prideaholic. Can I get an amen? Anyone in the house? And there are times where it does get too much, but then, you know, for me, it's now it's just maximizing. It's like, hey, I know this person and that person, so hey, I'm going to door college. Hey, we need this, we need that. And so it just happens. That's what happens when you make the most of every opportunity, when you meet someone that is destiny. Take advantage of that. When you see someone who's walking in the same path that you believe God's called you to, don't be afraid of the ask. I've never been afraid of the ask, ever. Don't be afraid of the ask. Focus on the giver of your destiny, and you will discover wisdom. Remember Solomon's dream? He asked God for it, and he got the wisdom. Focus on the giver of the destiny, not my flesh. And finally, circumstances will come, and they will try to destroy your destiny. But know this, young people. He is able, and he will overcome. He will, if we will but humble ourselves, and if we will but go like this precious prostitute who went before the king with her destiny, her little baby, and you know what the most profound message of this whole passage is, and then we'll close with this, Jebus. God, why would you use this diseased, horrifically immoral, people to illustrate this point in scripture. Why? Because when you bring the word of God and you bring it to the presence of the king, you know what Jebus became? Jerusalem. Don't tell me, church, God's not able. Because he will take your Jebus and if you grab your destiny, he will reveal Jerusalem. Let's pray together. God, you are so good that you would allow someone like me
so unworthy to be with these amazing people and for a moment in time just share my heart, share your word. God, may we all today discover afresh and anew that sole purpose that you knew before we were even formed in our mother's womb. God, bless these young people. Bless this staff, these faculty, as they face a giant unlike many that this culture has ever seen. Lord, would you give them great boldness and courage. God, may your favor rest on this institution. God, we pray for the president. We pray for those in leadership. God, would you give them such great wisdom and prudence that as they lead these that are here and those to come, that Dort College would truly be known as a beacon of light, sending young leaders into this lost and dying world to reveal the hidden mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in your matchless name and that name alone that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks.